sweet marijuana Marijuana Help me in my distress Sweet marijuana And welcome back again this week, listeners, to another awesome episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. Yeah. On WRARLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio, every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Yep. Welcome. Hi, Fran. Hey, girl. How's it going? I'm good. Have we had a good week this week? Mm-hmm. Have we had a busy week this week? <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like I'm running on fumes. It's Sunday, so it's, I mean, oops, in Radio Land, it's Wednesday. Wednesday at 11 o'clock, actually. <laughs> actually. <laughs> We're over yes. here, actually, in, um, at fake Wednesday clock with yes. coffee in our hands trying yes. to get yes. through the show. <laughs> I am. I'm running on fumes. I'm running on fumes. But I'm we're doing it, and we're here, and um, we're excited to actually talk about this topic today because it's a little bit, you know, squeaked out of our purview, but at the same time, it's really completely intertwined. Well, with actually, it's not because, uh, and we're going to get to that because I'm sure one of our guests is going to bust that wide open. But it's actually very much so in our purview in terms of social justice reform Truth. and what needs to happen in the state of Virginia, which I predict is going to happen here pretty soon. But before we get too deep into it, just let y'all know this week we're going to actually be talking about broader topics under the legalization of marijuana in Virginia. And so we got a couple of guests in with us. Y'all want to go around and we'll get we'll give you priority since you sister show. You know, y'all just probably listened to uh, Race Capital that came on at 10 o'clock. Oh, so yes. we got the host in here with us. Hey, hey, The magic of radio. (laughs) She's here with us now. You get another hour of me. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) Uh, But thanks so much, RVA sisters, for having me on. This is Chelsea Higgs-Wise, host of Race Capital. But you do so many other things. I do of many things. And And we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. What are you doing today? I know. It's so crazy I get to be here and talk about my other thing, right? Not just the host. So I appreciate the platform. And so why I'm here is because I am also the founder and executive director of Marijuana Justice. Mm. We are a nonprofit that is here to educate on the reasons why we need to legalize marijuana in an equitable way, Mm -hmm. which means inclusion of many people in many different sectors and conversations. So we're making a place for everybody and the table real clear and real big here in Virginia when we're talking about the marijuana uh, conversation, cannabis, hemp, legalization, and what that means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we got some other guests with us. We'll start ladies first. Right. Uh, I'm Niggist. Hey. I'm big fans of both Race Capital and RVA Dirt. Woo-hoo. And uh, currently here in my capacity as a board member on Virginia Normal, uh, which is the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. And our um, Virginia chapter is really excited about the potential for change and the momentum that's gathering across the country for legalizing and not just legalizing in ways that benefit a few people, but mm-hmm. legalizing in ways that can right historic wrongs. Mm. Hmm. And who do we have over Last here? Last but not least, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what hat I'm wearing today. You can wear all of them. You can take a few minutes and go through them all. Go yeah. ahead. Okay, Let the people um, know who you are. Run it. I guess I started the earth. Um, I'm a farmer. So mm. farm. Um, my family has been growing wheat and tobacco for, I don't know, four or five generations. Wow. 
Um, the, the land actually came from slave land. Wow. So um, it's a, a, a long story in the land as well. Mm-hmm. We used to have thousands of acres, but now we have a few hundred, and we have um, one main plot that's 125 acres that yes. we grow stuff on. The last generation kind of dropped the ball as far as growing, so we're kind of getting everything back together. Okay. And we're like revitalizing everything using the hemp plant. So we're also registered growers and processors in um, Virginia. Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where? So where, that's one hat. If you if you don't mind me asking, where are you in? Where are you located in Virginia? Well, I'm located in Richmond. Okay. But me and well, I'm a um, full time dad, so that's a whole another hat too. Yep. So um, we moved to the country mm-hmm. in the summer times. So it's like my son's. Hey, he gets to be on the farm yep. and you know on a tractor, all that type of stuff. Yes. Country and, life. I want to stow away. <laughs> <laughs> it's plenty, plenty of fun. Plenty of fun. And plenty of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. most well, my, my brother he um he teaches, so he's usually not out in the cloud of smoke when we're out on the field. But okay. everybody else is um, cannabis friendly, so right. it's usually a lot of fun out on the out on the um on the plains or you know whatever. Okay, that sounds great. Um, we manufacture a topical, so we have a topical on the market. Um, okay. What else do I do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Thank God Chelsea's here. <laughs> no, nah, I always, like, I'm I'm real modest when it comes to promoting, like, I yeah, really like the product. Ex- I know, right? <laughs> oh, no, you're here to promote, really like promote, for promote. Product, speak for itself. Yeah. But, um... Well, people got to know what it is. Tell us what it is. So, we, um, started looking at the market, and a lot of people are into ingesting CBD, which is a great thing. You know, uh-huh. there's a lot of different uses for Drops it. Drops and... But... There's so much that comes with a topical. Yeah. Like the farm, the pharmaceutical industry wouldn't exist um, if it wasn't for the outlawing of hemp. So we decided to put a topical on the market versus something that you ingest, you know, tinctures and gummies and things like that. So we're sitting back thinking, you know, what are we going to go with as far as the name? And we've seen a lot of black owned companies, but none of them jumped out there and really sealed the black space. Like, because yeah. they want all the money. Right. And we're not ashamed to say, hey, we did this for melanated right. skin. Boom. We did this for black and brown people. We do this for people who absorb the sun in a different way than most. So, um, yes. insert James Brown. I'm black and I'm proud right here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so not only being black owned, we manufactured a topical that is for black and brown skin. Okay. So coming up with the name, we said, hey, black and hemp. So we went with black hemp and it was a family business. So it was black hemp family on yes. Instagram, Twitter, soon to be Facebook. They just cleared recently um, topical CBD okay. topicals for a Facebook um, promotion. So All right. All right. So now our listeners can become customers and they know where to find you. Well, right. what are the benefits so that you yeah. know, people know why everybody to come knows. find you? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, you get some type of rash or mm-hmm. breakout on your skin. You go to the doctor. The mm-hmm. doctor gets paid. He sends you to the pharmacist. The pharmacist gets paid. The pharmaceutical company gets paid to mm-hmm. give you a steroid topical mm-hmm. that's going to send you back to the doctor because mm-hmm. it's all type of adverse effects when you're not dealing with no, like nature, like organic nature. Mm-hmm. We are built to balance plants, and plants are built to balance us. Like we put out carbon dioxide, and they they absorb carbon dioxide, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So when you deal with stuff outside of nature, that's when you have adverse reactions. So it's a it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Doctor, pharmacist, home. Doctor, pharmacist, home. Bingo. So um, 
We no longer use any type of stero- uh, steroid topicals at the house, cortisone cream, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the benefits. Your psoriasis, dermatitis, your random rash. Eczema. Ashy, you know. <laughs> not ashy. Skin okay. splotches. You know, you get little skin splotches and stuff like so y'all that. Y'all got right? no reason not to use this. Huh? Right, right. Because all of us ashy. So, so we linked the top moisturizers <laughs> with um, CBD, full spectrum, okay. um, cold press uh, extraction from the hemp plant. Okay. Right. Um, as far as inflammation, we don't use any um, aspirin, Tylenol, ibuprofen, Vicks, Vaporub, none of that type of stuff. So all your inflammation, um, muscle cramps, pains, um, foot pain, back pain, all that stuff that we deal with. Arthritis. Yeah. That's why my mother uses topical. Yeah. Yep. yep. Plus all your skin irritation, you know. Nobody like nobody ever sold it to me for, for eczema, so I will be copping some, some of that. Some of our top clients are... Dealing with eczema. So swimming. Psoriasis. Okay, cool. Let me go ahead and order some right now. Yep, yep. At Black Hemp Family. Yes. Yep, and blackhempfamily.com, at Black Hemp Family on Instagram. Y'all think I'm playing. I'm legit, like, going right now. No, yeah. Well, the site is beautiful. You get to see a picture of the family and everything if you go to the site. Yeah. Uh, I follow them on Instagram. It's a, it's, it's just inviting. And like he said, when I first met him, just talking about it's who it's made for and uh-huh. not being scared to kind of take over that market and make for that market, make, make it for black people, um, which is also a big reason why we, me and my comrades decided to make marijuana justice because yes, normal is here and has been out here right. doing the thing for legalization. But we also felt like it was really important to build a table that included a specific platform for people of color and for black people to do this work with the folks that have the institutional knowledge like normal that have been doing this forever right right? Um, and this is how we we build I keep saying the word table and we bring in black farmers that have had the generational again Mm -hmm. knowledge from the ground up right of how to do this because I am I'm a justice advocate I don't know a damn thing about farming right Mm -hmm. like so it only makes sense for me to bring certain people you know invite to the table learn from them and the more that you hear Prince I don't even know did you say your name Prince no didn't the more you hear Prince speak, and I, I hope that he does so so willingly. If not, we will encourage him to. You really just hear the knowledge that comes from someone just being around this for so long, right? And the benefits just therapeutically, you know, we hear about medicinal cannabis and the legalities of that and how open we are to, to cannabis that way, right? But then marijuana is criminal, mm-hmm. right? So these, these different narratives that we have and to hear someone that has just been rooted in that for a few family origin and mm-hmm. can talk about the benefits to this, but also why we need that type of equity. And, and it, it, it's, it digs into the system of it. And that's what Prince just described was the system, the doctor, the pharmacist. Yep. And so we have to now build our own system mm-hmm. and, and really institutionalize our equity. And we have to do that together. So it's out there about um, marijuana in Virginia. So 14 grams, is, 14 grams and over is intent to distribute. Mm-hmm. That's like the mandatory minimums with five grams of crack, you know, you get, mm-hmm. you know, federal time. Most people who are selling weed are not walking around with, you know, a half, you know, 14 grams. Mm-hmm. It's something more than that or something right. individually bagged or something. So you're a random right. person who says, hey, I, you know, I smoke in, you know, at my house. I'm not all outside, right. whatever. I'm you not know. going to buy a duffel bag full. Right. It's just in the privacy of my home. And I want to buy, you know, I, I buy when I get paid. So let's say. That's a gram a day, 14 days. So that person that works a regular job, maybe they don't get tested on that job and they're going out to get their groceries for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. That person can go to jail for intent to distribute. And that's five years in, in, wow. in Virginia. Wow. 
We're not talking about a whole ounce. We're not talking about, you know, pounds. We're talking about personal use. Mm-hmm. And that per- I've, I've been witness to people fighting because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't sell anything, no type of stuff on their phone, right. nothing else to prove it. But it's over 14 grams. So now you're looking at almost, well, five years. It's also, so one of the other Virginia Normal board members, Tamara, has collected um, stories on a website called cruelconsequences.org. And one of the stories is a Virginia man who ended up spending more time in jail than his cellmate who had committed homicide Yep. for um, possession and distribution of marijuana. And when you go through the case, it's just the way people are tackling this, just a substance that is not even deadly. Mm-hmm. And we are penalizing people at disproportionate. And the cost of enforcement is absurd, too. Right. Like Besides, in addition to the immeasurable cost to people's lives and the decades of people's lives that have been lost um, even after they have left, uh, you know, served time and are struggling to get back and live a normal life again. Like, we're spending $100 million on enforcement a year. This year, we have more arrests than we ever have. Virginia is one of the only states where marijuana arrests are going up instead of down. Mm. And it's just absurd to be seen as the national and Virginia's trends come increasingly towards support, 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 to see this increase, this like reckless misuse of taxpayer funds mm-hmm. on just enforcing injustice. And we all know that marijuana use rates are the same regardless of race, race right. but enforcement is not. And when I think one of the things that's important about 2019, and this is uh, sitting inside my 501c3 hat and put on my personal hat, uh-huh. it is an election year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it is really important. And what is exciting about this, just the three people here at this table, and the conversations happening throughout the Commonwealth right now, is that people are really starting to see the opportunity. If we flip the House this year, if we can uh-huh. take control of the Courts of Justice Committee, uh-huh. and this is getting a little wonky, but it is literally three to seven people, uh-huh. seven a.m. at subcommittee meetings, yep. who stop all progress. Yep, all progress. Yep and prevent the will of a majority of Virginians from actually happening and prevent justice from happening and Mm -hmm. prevent, prevent, prevent good things from happening in this commonwealth. And I think what is exciting to me is that as more and more the conversation changes with more organization and being louder and vocal about the injustice angle, as well as the, you know, practicalities of dismantling a criminal code and creating an entire new industry, Mm is that the urgency and momentum is really starting to build. And I'm very excited about the potential after November of this year to really start seeing change happen and to see Virginia potentially be one of the, you know, we will definitely are way past being a first state on any of this. <laughs> Not going to be the first state, but we could be one of the first states to do this really, really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So can we get into the history of the vilification of marijuana, cannabis, whatever yeah. you know you want to call it. What started the reefer madness thing that made it so bad? Because, you know, we have alcohol all over the place and that's not a problem, right? Right, right. right? Yeah, and, you know, marijuana, the, <laughs> I'm all about narratives, as uh, a lot of people, as how I like to talk. I'm not a historian. I'm, I'm literally an advocate that holds language really as a priority for us to continue to interrogate. And so looking at the word of marijuana versus cannabis, I really want to make sure that I give Prince a a chance to talk about cannabis, hemp, and some differences between Mm -hmm. that as well, because he does a really great job at that. But I I also want to just talk about the language that's been used and politicized in order to really criminalize black and brown people for a couple generations now. And 
using the word marijuana really also is supposed to give the racial implication of brown people, of Mexicans, because it's has come from a Latin America growth of right there by the border. And that was where, mostly where we saw it from a very long time of who was using it and who was able to grow it. And obviously that's who was tending to our land is black and brown people, right? right? And then, but when it got to be more socially acceptable, it was in the hippie round when everybody was smoking it, it was cool, white people were doing it. So then it was something as seen that, yeah, it's okay to do it, but unless it's in a certain space with certain people and then it makes us unsafe and it became a public safety issue, hmm. right? Um, now, the truth is about cannabis in general is that it's actually more therapeutic medically. And that's what data has been showing us since the 1920s, that this is actually a therapeutic substance, an herb, a plant for us to be using. And so the idea now that it's been charged and changed for us to look at it as a public safety issue and something that we have to worry about influencing, you know, our, our <laughs> we for madness was also really hitting on, oh my gosh, white women might smoke this and then they'll lose all inhibitions and sleep with black men. Oh my oh gosh. My God, oh my God. Oh my gosh, being in the jazz world, right, and the music scene, like right now it's hip hop and and, and that music scene might have that influence of of marijuana because it's also a cultural sense, that socializing piece. It's also helping in that creative sense as well. But oh my goodness, when the racists started integrating and white women would come around, oh my gosh, they'd be under influence and who knows what they would do. Under that jazz. Yeah. And and so it's it's marijuana has evolved just as much as as American politics has evolved to uh, make it safe for white folks and really criminalize black people. When unfortunately, it's also just caused an inequity to access to a very helpful plant for all of us for pain, for mm-hmm. skin, for uh, anxiety. just anxiety, right? For Cancer nausea, patients. exactly for epilepsy. And so now it's also just created a system of you have to have this or pass this in order to even have access to this piece. When let's also remember that you know, the black market, <laughs> black market, but the huh. legal market is really like that has been people of color's generational wealth building. Girl, and speak on it. For like, this has been ours for generations too, right? When no one else would hire us, yep. when we couldn't get a job and our kids still need to be fed. Yep. Right? Benjamin this, would come ride his compost down here in the hood. Come on. And buy not even dime bags. We talking about, what, what did you say was the, was the legal limit? <laughs> yeah, he buying he buying 120 grams, right? To take back to the, to the suburbs. Right. I mean, I've had my days out there, and I've been at the you know been in the city and watched the people come down in the very expensive cars mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. wearing a suit when they come down. Yeah, and to buy a plethora of drugs, and we knew that when they pulled up, it was what something was, like what it was. Let me get. 30 dimes. Let me get mm-hmm. 47. That's know, why I said not not a handful of dime bags. You know, uh, right. Because one, <laughs> one, they didn't want to be there. Two, right. they didn't want to come back. Right. So, so let I'm me get all I can because I'm terrified. It was, it was, you know, regular a regular day for somebody to pull up in yeah. the new bins and, yep. you know. And be terrified that they're not going to have their rims when they it, leave it happens, because yeah. they want to get it and take it back for them and Benjamin and, and right. Kristen right. and everybody else. And in they the were probably going back to distribute, yeah, in their neighborhood. That's what I'm saying, in their neighborhood. Exactly. 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 But it made it so that white folks had to actually invest in black business, whether it was a legal business or not, right? Mm-hmm. So creating this legal market, we also have to talk about the system of how do we now transfer, continue to transfer that opportunity of ownership, not just jobs. And okay, equity. Right. And into a market to where that someone that already knew the business, knows how to grow it, knows, understands 
understands the market, right? As well as the consumer is now... And understands the product. Come on now. You, as, know, you know the good weed man versus the guy who don't know that he's don't selling know. crappy stuff. Hello. And, and can tell you what the difference is of what you're getting. And so it, it and makes... And I don't even smoke weed and I know that. Right. But it's important in anything that we buy. <laughs> right? If you buy something of quality and you expect it to be quality... You right. expect it to be right. quality. Whether it's a shirt or, you know, right. yeah. pair of shoes, oh, whatever. Yeah. But we know because of racism in general, and that being our country's biggest disease mm-hmm. and from, from the beginning, is that if white people don't have to buy it and interact with people of color, then they won't. Yep. Which means that black and, black and brown folks are going to get left behind, and this has been something that has been our expertise mm-hmm. for generations now. So how do we create and really institutionalize a different type of system to bring everybody up in this? There are billions of dollars to be made in this industry and it's also a chance to right the wrongs as nigga said before of the past right and I got really into this a lot of people ask me why did I choose this realm and go into this it's I have my own personal story with my family but it's also a way that everybody can buy into righting the wrongs with their pocketbooks yeah. right like the money that the revenue that comes in should go directly back into the system to allow access and pipeline for these people to get their lives together because even with the way the laws are set up in some states right now the people that got expunged still can't participate in the industry as business owners yeah because of their records because their records right so we have right got there. it's right there on the application to be a hemp farmer so we had to discuss <laughs> who's going to apply for registration mm. because some of us have a flag some of us don't yeah oh. for people who don't know a flag is an F or a yeah. felony. So now think so about that. You got the person you, that's got the most expertise, understands the industry, understands the product. Has grown it for years. Has right. grown it. And moved to a state yep. where they got caught with more than 14 grams. Yep. And, yep. and now they're a felon when yep. it was mm-hmm. legal one state over, two states over. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. could be a grower in D.C. right now and continue doing what you're doing and then move to Virginia. And they in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're a manufacturer or, you know, running a criminal empire uh, enterprise mm. because you're the person that's growing it and then they're, you know, selling it. Mm. And so, yeah. But you can have breweries in your basement. Right. Well, but again, that's that's the part of it that's connected to color. Exactly. And so right. when you've got and, and that's the part. I'm so glad that we have. Um, movements like yours, Chelsea, and so many others across the country right now doing this because what's going to happen or what people fear, what my fear is that will happen is that this industry, as soon as they figure out how to legalize it, they will cut black people out when we've been the literal edge between access, (laughs) I mean, availability, everything Mm -hmm. for years, Mm -hmm. and you've punished us for it, and the jails are full of us right now because of it and so even if you do legalize marijuana what you gonna do about Ray Ray and them who's sitting in here for selling the same marijuana that you now want to tax and make money off of well and I think there's also when it comes to equity it is so far reaching like there are the people who have been incarcerated for this and will they have access to this industry there are people who are incarcerated and they might not even like they worked at a bank and they just want to be able to get a job at a bank but they've got a flag and they can't get any right like they're constantly getting denied jobs and they'll never know why they'll know why we oh, all they know, know. yeah. <laughs> we can ban the box, but they they still know. They still know. And having and then there are, you know, Chelsea and I definitely spend some time talking about the equity programs that don't work. Like you can look at the programs and in fact uh Trevor Noah on his podcast had Whitney Beatty from Apothecary on recently to talk mm-hmm. about the how legalization has been going in California and you can see California and Massachusetts have had interesting approaches. Massachusetts has basically said 
you can be a driver, but we're going to make it so incredibly complicated and capital intensive in order to be set up a delivery service that basically like nobody is going to start this industry, whether you were previously incarcerated or not. Like nobody. I have talked to people at delivery companies in states who are just like, we're not going to touch the Massachusetts market because we can't figure out how to make it profitable. Mm. And the expectations Massachusetts has put in, including like all the cars have to be owned by the company. Every car has to have two people in it. The level of body cams. They are expecting more body cams on marijuana delivery services. Than on cops. Than on cops. Okay. Which then just makes them targets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which then actually makes them less safe because it is incredibly obvious that you are doing something risky, like mm-hmm. like moving around armored trucks full of money. Mm-hmm. So that's one example. It's like, okay, only this is the only avenue to social equity opportunities in this industry that Massachusetts is providing. Yeah. In California, you have examples where it's basically you have these social equity licenses and you have people running around. There are people getting, companies already getting sued because they've applied for social equity licenses by basically just paying somebody to be a 51% owner. Wow. And then just like putting them on an application and not having them do anything, having anything to do with business. Yeah. Which Trevor Noah pointed out is actually similar to things that have happened in South Africa, like post apartheid, where people just show up and be like, hey, random black person, I'm going to give you $25,000 to put your name on something while I go off to go make a million. So That's I can literally this, yeah. the entire model of philanthropy and nonprofits, right? Do you know how many people, yeah. because I'm a racial equity facilitator, ask to put my name down on a grant Real. application to say that they're working with diverse communities? Uh, <sighs> yeah, like legit, give you a penny? Yeah, uh, uh, oh, I've gotten smarter a, now, right? Does she get a right. penny? Look. If I ask, but they don't offer that. There's like, we've got this great thing and they have to legally ask to put your name down for that. But yeah, right. no, that's just the model. That's yeah. just, yeah. just again, it's another system. I think mm-hmm. it's really important that when we talk about equity that we're looking at, we learn from these bad examples in other states. Yeah, right. And we are being really forward thinking about not just providing equity to get into the industry, mm-hmm. but equity to like make up for the fact that we have done you wrong. Yeah. That as a commonwealth, like we have done you wrong. And whatever it was that you want your life to be now, like you will be supported in that endeavor. And that's where to me figuring out it's not just automatic expungement. It's also like, how do you help with job placements? How do you help people write a resume? How do you give them interview coaching? Uh How do you give them grants to start their own businesses? Not more loans, but like grants to go start a business of any sort, whether it's in the industry or not. Especially especially if I want to go into the industry, I clearly have a knowledgeable past and history for it. So good that you lock my ass up for yeah. X amount of damn years. <laughs> right. And punish me for my it. So clearly service, I know what the hell I'm doing. Skills. Right. Yeah. So honor me, pay me for those customer service skills and those uh, marketing skills. <laughs> and we're, we haven't brought up the R word yet, but reparations mm-hmm. and this conversation is, is, is exactly what we're talking it's about. It's exactly what we're talking about. Right. Glad somebody went back that far. Because that's pretty much where my like astonishment starts. Mm-hmm. Like the um, on the back of the two dollar bill, there's people harvesting hemp. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that. Mm, 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 it looks mm. like wheat, but if you look at it, it's actually hemp. Mm. Um, one of the biggest cash crops during the slave, the slave trade, mm-hmm. hemp. Huh. Declaration of Independence, hemp. 1700s, they mandated that Americans on their farm, if you're a farmer, you have to grow hemp. Well, they cut out the part that the people who were running the farms were black. So you mm. made slaves grow hemp. Mm-hmm. It was mandated that slaves grew hemp in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. So who's got this knowledge? So they just take all that away. Right. Yeah. All the benefits that were coming from, because think about it, if, you, if you're growing a quality cannabis plant or any type of plant, you have your scraps. So the slaves got the scraps. 
course. So all your trimmings, a lot of your topicals and your herbs and so-and-so sick, mix some stuff up. A lot of stuff that went into those teas were cannabis. Or like um, how they, um, the, so they teach you the different systems in the body, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in school and you hear about respiratory, you hear circulatory, you hear all these different systems. They cut the endocannabinoid system all the way out. Mm-hmm. Because they would know that people would understand, like, hey, if my body has a system based based on this, uh-uh. then we had to be ingesting this for thousands of years. Uh-huh. So it can't make people crazy because why? how would we have civilization? Then we, well, we wouldn't have pharmaceutical companies. Right. So period. that's part of why it was outlawed in the beginning. Like, hey, cotton's doing pretty good. Everything's out of cotton. All our clothes are cotton. Let's stick with that. And it's cheaper to work with. The way that they had a system set up, uh-huh. then pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies are like, all right, well, if we take away the natural stuff, then we can we can build a market. So that's what yeah, the market you're gonna was need this on. this thing to make your head hurt, to make your head stop hurting, but it's gonna flush your kidneys, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> give you right. cancer. <laughs> It'll put you in a system, right, yeah. which is literally. Mm-hmm. My my opinion, white supremacy's goal is to find a system that they can control you, control think, you, and whether it's, it's I think it's almost bigger than white white supremacy. America is a business. It started as a Power. business. It's, it's a said, capitalism we're gonna, thing. We're going to go get independent. Well, we have we can't go back to the king for anything. Right. So everything we do has to be a business. Right. So we have the system of business. Sports is a business. Medicine is mm-hmm. a business. Yeah. Jail but is even a at the root of those businesses, it's how do we, it, it's the class system how do we of edge who's the market. Who, and right. And who do they exploit for um, that? Rich, yeah. white, male billionaires yeah. right. at the root of all those yeah. different systems. Right. That's a given. Right. And and we're talking about, you know, it's, it's 400 years, 1619. So always, like a story I always talk about is like reframing the word gentleman, right? And the word gentleman back in the day in 1619 actually meant someone that had their money work for them, mm-hmm. not work for their money. So they actually would never get their hands dirty, right? That's right. what the, it was like an investor. That was the term of a gentleman. So the gentlemen were the folks that made all the rules and they had other people then to do the work for yeah, them, gentle, gentle right. hands, gentle, gentle hands, right? Exactly. Don't really sweat so I don't have to. And, and in order to create that system of who's at the top and who's the worker, they used race to make it a very easy system to just continue to file people in. Right. And and that that's where I I use the word white person. But you're right, like capitalism, power, absolutely, and the way to yeah. systemize that classism that is like, well, let's just do it based on race. And that was another big reason why we had to separate from the British, right? Because we used business in the form of slavery, and they actually won't for that. Nope. We, we had to have our independence so we could keep our system of slavery. And that's what, mm-hmm. really what the Commonwealth of Virginia is doing right now by only legalizing medical ma- marijuana, mm-hmm. you know, and Just medical. To doctors to do- who, who all look the same. Oh, 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 oh. But even there, so many doctors are still so afraid of the substance. Like yeah. none of the major hospital systems. They did a very good job of scaring that. us. But when but it think came, about when it why. Came to just the cannabis yeah. family. Well, think about why, though. It's like you said, you touched on it earlier. You've got you know, two systems working. The doctors, and most of them are folded right into that same pharmaceutical, you know, uh, cycle. Who's the person that says, hey, you can come out with a pill? Who's the who's the, 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 the agency or the group of people that say? The FDA. Sorry, yeah. my mom. So yeah. my mom works in the pharmaceutical industry, so I have some slight differences of opinion, but, like, it is a yeah, who, who gets to system. choose? Like, you know, yeah. or we want to make a pill for whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make a pill so your your, your eyebrows grow thicker. We're not, it might not even have to be a who new do, pill. We'll take we three that to? we already have and, and put them together it. and so make another. We talk system. to to say, you know, all right, you got the thumbs up. You can put a pill on the market. That's where the money lies. <clears throat> My eyes are green. 
are in the middle of another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio, every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Well, something that I want to make sure I talk a little bit about for marijuana justice, too, is continuing the system. And one system that our country and many countries have used is the educational system to really create and shape the way that we think about this. So something that marijuana justice does and many people like, you know, why Chelsea is C3? And I'm I'm I am absolutely a political advocate in many hats. But this one really is about educating and, and using data and facts and historical perspectives and narratives to educate why we need a change in marijuana. So we all, we're pretty around the same ages around in a room, um, grew up and were educated on a program called DARE, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, that that bullshit. Bullshit. Sorry, let me roll my <laughs> eyes harder. I know. Don't let them fall out of your head. Mm-hmm. I know. So there's actually data out there that has proved how harmful this narrative has been. So a big part of why we're really asking for support from Marijuana Justice Virginia is to fund a new education form to really talk about the history of criminalizing drugs here in the United States and how that was part of the war on drugs is really just the war on people. So this necessarily, our Redare program that we're really putting out there and needing funding for is not just about drug education. It's actually more like the social studies realm. We are teaching you the history of how we have criminalized people mm-hmm. through uh, criminalizing drugs, right? And we're looking at different and realms of the country. Ones. And certain ones. And how this f- impacts our social studies, mm-hmm. right? So our Redare program is something that we want to continue to have funded. We want something to be able to have out there and continue to evolve this narrative as we learn more and as we legalize it, how this is benefiting certain people as well, and then build a pipeline of that information into our school systems and our education, because we've got to not just shift our policies, but shift our minds from a young age and teach them like the better narratives, the accurate narratives of our past, so we can learn forward and, and really interrogate and pick out when politicians are politicizing flowers. Right, girl. I, let me. Uh, mm. You just so, you just hit a whole moment with me. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna go back and, and be a little deep. I love my mama. I talk about my mama all the time. My mom's okay. a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Mom's had a rough life. Mom went through a rough divorce. I love my dad too, but y'all was crazy back in the day. Mm-hmm. And that process led her to drugs. And so my mom was a drug addict for a long period of time in her life. Off again, on again, off again, on again. And I remember being in school. My mom was actually in a rehab program here in Richmond at MCV. Mm-hmm. And I was in school, and Dare came, and the stories that they told about how drugs are bad and like you said like criminalizing people right and not explaining to kids it's not the person right it's the substance yes and even sometimes it's even deeper than that Absolutely. it's the process that this person has gone through mm-hmm. that's now been fed this substance for a particular reason which hers actually started with prescription drugs Ugh. so I right. actually got them from somebody that was absolutely legal so yep. marijuana wasn't her gateway drug no her gateway drug was painkillers yeah and, and antidepressants um and legalized cocaine I mean Adderall right and I, then <laughs> and then that process 
process led to other things because when you've maxed out your yep. your threshold yep. basically for pain and, and a resistance, your body builds up a resistance to these synthetic products and chemicals that you put into your body. You have to seek out something else and seek out something else until you get to the point where you're sprinkling cocaine on your food. Exactly. And out, you can't go to the bathrooms. A lot of stuff that just your body shuts down because yeah. there's so much sin- like nothing about yeah. a pill is, is it's, real. It's real. It's, real. it's not. It's no. not. So you put all that synthetic stuff in your body and you're breathing different. Mm-hmm. Right. You're sweating for mm-hmm. no reason. You can't mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. Like your whole body is then shutting down. And, and, and then, then God forbid, up. God forbid, you take something that that's supposed to affect your mind. You walking around talking like you're crazy and seeing shit. Yep. On top of that, it's okay. It's, Look, it's, this uh, is crazy. A lot. Weed is illegal, but it's okay for me to sell you something that say, "Hey, if you have suicidal thoughts." Yep. It happens sometimes, but it's okay. It's right. Right. Let me give you stop something taking else. It. Yeah, stop us, taking it. I do want to take a moment, though, you. because yeah. medication for mental health is a real need. Oh, I'm not it's saying it's not. I know, but like we should be careful about the language we're using right here and not stigmatizing the fact that some people need antidepressants. Oh, my mother survive. needed the antidepressants that she was on. My my problem, what I'm saying is they that was her gateway. People are, you know... They, they like to criminalize marijuana use. Right. As but marijuana has that. never been the gateway drug that and it's not. said it was. And it's not. And she absolutely or, needed, she absolutely needed, you know, her antidepressants at that time. But it's the point of, just like we said, it's a cycle. So when you've not been properly diagnosed or you've got a doctor that is afraid of these natural or even herbal remedies or even natural, just... So, and nobody ever said, you know, it's it's so crazy. Doctors, if you go to a doctor and you say, you know, I'm stressed, I got different things going on. How many times, you know, will a doctor tell you, maybe you should enroll in a yoga class and <laughs> sit your ass down? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. see how that works. Mm-hmm. But it's always a pill first. And it's like, you know, that's the process that sends so many of our people. And then to, then to go to school and, and ha- know that that's what's going on at home, then to go to school and have a dare officer come with a a, 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 a graphic wrapped car <laughs> wow. show up that's supposed to be fun. Because that's what they all have. And they all have that dare car. That's what they're using that grant money for. Those yeah. graphic wrapped cars. <laughs> those oh, graphic okay. wrapped cars. Yep. And they come with those cars and it they're is. like, drugs are bad. And, and the they, suitcase full of fake drugs. Right. And they turn. And they turn you into like. a bad person and yep. they do all these things and they yep. show you all these like um you know these pictures of, of people these caricatures and they're drawing their hairs like all crazy and I'm like I just went to go see my mom last week and she ain't look like that mm-hmm. like I don't know what this is and, and, I think and there's something sorry I'm going to interject real quickly too which is one of the things you've seen in Colorado because they have mm-hmm. they tied the funding of the, of the I think they've brought in over a billion dollars in tax revenue from the marijuana industry. Uh One of the things that's tagged for is evidence-based drug education, and they have seen youth rates go down Uh since legalization, in part because it is, you know, now a regulated adult use substance yeah. and so there's quality there's quality control it's harder for teens to get it but also like they're in schools and they're not getting told that marijuana is a gateway drug anymore they're yeah. they're right. learning what marijuana what effects marijuana can have on a young and developing brain right compared to an adult brain right and they're they know that when they turn 21 it's there for them right right and you know going back to get again to what this impact, this terrible narrative can do to young minds and how that plays into our bigger system and why I always want to talk about systems and why creating these tables is is innovating new systems that we have to have is, Fran, the example that you just you just talked about right then is like criminalizing these parents, these black parents, that means that they are no longer worthy to be parents, yeah. right? And now at a time right now is actually when we see how the system is created to take black children from their parents Bingo. and separate them. So again, using drugs and, and 
the only thing marijuana is a gateway to is the criminal justice system, right? It's, it's literally how the police and law enforcement mm-hmm. say, this is how we can get you into our system. And we and decriminalizing this, legalizing this is now breaking down these pipelines to another pipeline to taking black babies and brown babies from their parents, from having that young kid stopped by the police because they might look like they have a joint in their hands or they smell marijuana, right? Mm-hmm. These are now eliminating a lot of the probable causes that have been written in and the, yeah. that are part of the Jim Crow era that we're still living in. So we have to be so intentional and have folks at the table that can bring these types of experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And how that can be traumatizing for a child. Mm-hmm. And that they don't grow and, and have more trauma that was already on a young vulnerable mind and need more mental health medication, right? Mm-hmm. That has to have, you know, a pill to it. I mean, it's just, it's an ongoing thing, an ongoing substance and, and system pieces that taking a comprehensive look at how we can decriminalize cannabis, legalize marijuana, and educate our youth, Yeah, it's important to now just recognize the power of that pipeline. And and not just let it be a, another capitalistic yeah. <laughs> right. front right. where white people making all the money. Right. This revenue has got to go back into the Commonwealth of rebuilding our mm-hmm. neighborhoods and systems and making sure these people that are now literally gaining their freedom also have a way to gain their independence and just the stability to make money and take care of themselves and their families. Without the stigma that you criminalized upon them. Right, right. So if they need 10 years of case management, well, guess what? We have to pay for that, right? After they've been released. So that's going to take money. That's going to take people that we have to hire. It's going to take programs. So all this money, the billion dollars that you just mentioned that can come from this revenue, that's where that money's got to go to. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go to Altria or all the, you know, a new Coliseum. Wait, who said that? What but, the? You know, what? We, <laughs> we, we can use this money for other ways. And actually, you know, if you're, you're looking for economic development programs, yeah. there's plenty of them out here that don't yeah. require a big shiny Coliseum project. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. I'm no scientist, so I, I'm, hopefully I pronounce all these correctly. But you have the cannabis family, mm-hmm. and at the, and under that family you also have hops. So mm-hmm. in that family, the same flowering plant that we get, well, the same type of flowering plant that we get um, THC and CBD from, is, all, hops is also in that family. So beer is all made from the same. What? Yeah, the same flowering family. Mm-hmm. Which is why breweries being legal and marijuana not is an inequity. Right. Okay, go. Oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other part, um, people are coming to you know, more knowledge about it day by day, but you're looking at um, like collard greens and mustard greens or um, spinach and kale. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the, the visual differences. Um, but mm-hmm. when you have something that is very low in THC, which means it has no psychoactive properties, right. that's when you get into hemp and industrial hemp. Um, a lot of the hemp that you see that's made for clothes and stuff like that doesn't have too many leaves on it. It's real tall, real thin. It's grown like tons. You know, it's not like, like really in rows. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much just go out and throw seed and it grows on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it can grow, you know, a couple feet, mm-hmm. you know, like six, seven, eight feet in the sky. But then you have um, those hemp seeds that are given more space and allowed to flower. Yeah. That's where you get a lot of the CBD content. Um, which is different than THC. CBD is more of your, I like to break it down into your health side and your high side. So mm-hmm. weed and having a THC con- having THC content over um, 
yeah. is your weed and you know marijuana, that whole thing, and then your hemp or industrial hemp has less than 0.3 um, percent THC value and is pretty high in CBD, but that varies as well. So all of that is super complicated. So how in the world are you gonna just uh, make one part of it illegal and the other part is just like kind of free range? Like that's okay to do this that's one, and not you, that one. That's how you prove that it came came about because of industry. Mm. Where are we making our money? Mm. How can we continue making our money? Well, if we're doing cotton and cotton's doing pretty good and we have these new things on the, mar- on the market. We have elixirs that we're selling people with cocaine in them. <laughs> we have pills on the market that are, people are starting to get drawn to. Mm-hmm. Well, we outlaw the natural. Yep. Now people have a better, a much further need for these synthetic products that we've We created. would not have a pharmaceutical market if hemp was never outlawed, hemp and cannabis. Mm-hmm. And that keep the other flowering plant in the family legal and make beer out of it. I'm gonna disagree. I think you still have a pharmaceutical industry because cannabis can solve so many things, things we don't even know yet. But it can't solve everything. No, it can't solve everything. But I mean, as far as the the birth of the industry, they weren't medicating um, mental health. You know, yeah. in, in that era. So yes, we would still have a need for mental health. We would still have a need for a few different, you know, a few different things. But as far as the birth of the pharmaceutical market, a lot of that came at the same time with him being outlawed. The snake oil. I mean, I just hesitate to compare the pharmaceutical market that arose in the late 1800s to the pharmaceutical market we have even at the beginning of the 20th century because there was nothing. I mean, we didn't have an FDA or anything that was testing, regulating anything. You didn't even True. have to put, like you said, it looks very people different. putting cocaine in like corn syrup, basically being mm-hmm. like, this is cough syrup. Right. Like, but you don't even be know. Numb if you take it, like your throat's numb, <laughs> right. your head's like, numb. Oh, I know, everybody's passing out heroin, like, done? you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, like, nobody has ingredients. Like, it was a lot of con artists for several, you know, and I'm a sure time. white guy con artists taking advantage of the absence of cannabis and everything, but that part of the pharmaceutical industry and the part that we have here, different ills and sins and vices. Oh, definitely. definitely. And I mean, still talking about the pharmaceutical industry and the natural piece, talking about uh, marijuana and opioids or the drug epidemic and how that's also been racialized, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is that, again, marijuana is illegal and these opioids are are legal. They're more regulated in the past couple years because we've now seen the impacts on overprescribing. white people got problems. Right. Because white people. Urban white people started... Just like Breaking when crack became a problem. Crack was fine when it was in certain neighborhoods. Right. But, yeah. you know, as right. soon as it showed up in, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, in the white neighborhoods. Stressed out, you know, homemakers. Oh, Lord. Right. Now it's it's a, an it's epidemic. A yep, yeah. The differences between cocaine and crack and, and the differences of sentencing of cocaine and crack. And, and who's using it. And who's using it. And remembering that the reason why black folks aren't highly addicted to opioids is because it was scientifically understood, even like at a UVA level right here locally, that black people didn't experience a, pain. And so we don't need pain and pills. And so we didn't and need we pain didn't pills. have the access to the damn health care to get the damn pain pills in the first place. Exactly. So actually privilege of thinking that you needed more and you had more access to the doctor is what what got white folks so addicted to these opioids and now it was like oops our bad and we're going to create all these laws and health crisis and it's not it's not a criminal crisis and grants and grants and money and programs and everything else yep 
yep, to now fund that piece. But again, and why I do understand that it's capitalism is is the root of it, but I'm still like the motive and the driver of all of this is just everything is so racialized and it's and that's the ability to keep us well I in think this dual and I, piece. I th- exactly I think that's you know um <laughs> capitalism is the car the race is driving it yeah and and you have to look at who's on top mm-hmm. so you know who's in the driver's seat yeah right so the people on top want to stay on top yeah so that's where race comes into play yeah we want to make the money but we want to make sure we keep making the money right <laughs> and I mean I just I know we're running out of time we're getting close to the end but I, I want people to know that uh, you all can support this movement I mean there are many ways to get involved uh, marijuanajustice.org people can follow us and subscribe and uh, always donate we even have a cash app marijuana justice um i know that there are going to be some events coming up that we want everybody to come to um we're going to be around at some different tables um including uh happily natural day august 31st we'll be out there supporting deron chavis and i think this is their 16th year Mm -hmm. of this festival and you know as we move into stealing nick is this uh piece of taking my c3 hat off and looking at the elections coming up. Mm-hmm. This is these are just conversations as you're going to forums and things like that, asking ask, about people's ask. feelings and their candidates about what they're going to do with marijuana, right? Locally, Commonwealth attorneys about prosecuting, um, you know, and these state legislators asking yeah. how they feel about decrim versus legalization, as well as the equity piece of expungements of records, right? Mm-hmm. So there are questions and layers layers to this. So um, I'm gonna yeah, please hop in there real fast, Chelsea, and say. Uh, this is a good reminder to email your legislators and you can go to who's my legislator. Um, just Google that and you can find who uh, your representatives are now. Um, you can go to vpap.org, vpap.org to figure out who's running in the district you are in and, and get in touch with those candidates and ask them where they stand on this issue. Mm-hmm. And I would just remind folks, you know, I think there's growing consensus around decrim and that's really important and that's a good milestone to hit. But it's 2019. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if we're comfortable with decrim, then we must be getting awfully. And in fact, I believe 70 or almost 70 percent of Virginians are ready for legalization in the Commonwealth. And it's a good time to remind your representatives and the people who would like to be your representatives that like this is no time for half measures. Mm, If you know you're ready to legalize, then do it now. People need to get out of jail. Do it now. Like you every year of delay is actively impacting i don't even know how many thousands of virginians daily lives and this is no time um to step around it or for incremental progress this is time to make the right moves to to create justice and you can go to virginia normal to steal from uh, chelsea's riff there v-a-n-o-r-m-l dot org uh and follow up on what we're doing there you can learn more about the legislators who've carried legislation yeah um and you can learn more about the policy and i know we will be building our email list and having some calls to action. I think uh, Chelsea and I are looking forward to coordinating um, to help bring attention to this issue and to the, again, the urgency at this point. It is 2019 huh. and we still have not legalized the substance, much less tackled the fact that people are in jail. Mm-hmm. We are paying for them to be in jail for something that people are making millions off of in California and Colorado. Set yep. us free. And where can they find you? And well, I know we talked about it earlier, but go ahead and give our uh, listeners a reminder where they can find you, where they can find your products, and more information about what you do. BlackHempFamily.com, at BlackHempFamily, on Instagram and Twitter, um, soon to be Facebook. 
we just pride ourselves in being part of the overall movement. So we lobby, we grow, we harvest, we process. You know, we are here to help people. It's a lot of people out here, a lot of companies that's jumping on the CBD wave, trying to make a quick dollar. They don't mm -hmm. know where it's coming from. They don't mm -hmm. care where it's going mm -hmm. as long as they make some money. Mm. We you know we have two different um, companies that we go to for third party testing to show the validity of our product. Mm -hmm. People can come out to the farm. They can come see where we do everything. A lot of people aren't that transparent and don't really know who they're doing business with. Yeah. So definitely get in contact with your um, local legislators and push for what you know is right. Um, my name is Prince. Um, I don't really know what else. I like that he introduces himself at the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you sit on any boards or anything? Yes, I am a local rep for Virginia Industrial Hemp Coalition. Okay. So I do a lot of um, good work with those guys and a lot of them are organic people. That's good to know. And you were sitting at the table, right, when hemp became legal here in Virginia and, and the administration was working on that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have the... Just reminding. Both, I think I'm the 12th <laughs> processor. Our family is the 12th processor in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Okay. And grower, I think we're somewhere like in the 50th okay. 50 range. So we were there pretty early. Yeah. Things were taking place. All right. Anybody well, have anything they'd like to say uh, in conclusion or... We wrap. This is a place for everyone, y'all. So find where you fit in this movement and join us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I guess my last word would be um, let the farmers be farmers. That's one of the first things <laughs> yes. that I really yeah. got in the industry. Go. Like if you're a business person, yeah. get into you know some type of merchandising or something like that. There's yeah. plenty of different things you can get into. But if you're not a farmer, don't waste a bunch of money trying to grow something you've never really been on a farm and don't really like growing. There's so yeah. much other ways to make money mm -hmm. in this business. That's it. All right. Well, I think we had an awesome conversation. I We thank you guys for coming to share your expertise. Thank you for educating you. our listeners and us as well. Yes. And sharing with everybody how they can learn more because that's important. Um, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. So we thank y'all for coming as always. For having us. Yeah. We appreciate you guys so much. Um, per usual. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Flint still has dirty water. RPS is fully funded and working on next year already. And Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. See y'all next week. Don't forget, you can hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt. And thanks for tuning in once again on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Do it, babe. Yeah.